This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. This is a special episode of the podcast as we replay the talk from this year's featured speaker, Garrett Martz. Garrett is a 2004 marketing graduate from Trine, and he got his start in sports as an account representative with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Although he did not see himself in a sales role, he thrived at selling a sport that he was passionate about, and he became the vice president of sales for the Mad Ants within five years. After the Mad Ants were sold to the Indiana Pacers, Garrett and the former ownership group of the Mad Ants launched Potter Sports Group, a sports agency focusing on professional basketball. As vice president of Potter Sports Group, Garrett is responsible for identifying and recruiting athletes to their agency. Although most of their athletes play in the G League or overseas, they recently had one of their athletes sign a 10-day NBA contract, and Garrett explains the process of trying to get players to the league. He also discusses the benefits and struggles of being a small firm and takes questions from students on sports agency and how to break into sports. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Good afternoon. Um, most everybody here in this room knows me. Um, I'm Brandon Podgorski, Associate Professor of Sport Management and Director of the Center for Sports Studies. We want to welcome you today in coordination with the Sport Management Club. This is part of our um, annual symposium that we do for the Center for Sports Studies. So uh, this is our featured speaker this year. We've got the Vice President of Potter Sports Group uh, joining us, Garrett Martz. I'm really excited uh, to have Garrett here today. He's joining a list of past speakers here for the Center for Sports Studies. It includes Tim Ballman, who's the president of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, and, and Garrett will talk about his experience with the Mad Ants today. Uh, Dr. Robert Philippi, who is Associate Commissioner of Conference USA, Steve Jabara, who was the owner of uh, the uh, G League's Grand Rapids Gold. And then last year, we had Kurt Humphrey, who was the former CFO of the Indianapolis Colts. So we certainly appreciate Garrett coming all the way up from Fort Wayne to join us today. Before we begin, I kindly ask you to mute your mobile devices so we don't distract others during the talk. At the end of the symposium, I know Garrett's going to talk about his experiences, and then he's going to open it up for Q&A. Uh, this is being recorded as part of the Center for Sports Studies podcast, and it'll be um, available on February 9th and all the podcasting platforms and YouTube. Just a a little bit of background for Garrett. He's the vice president and partner of Potter Sports Group. He began his career in sports with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants as an account executive, and he quickly worked his way up in the company to become the vice president of sales and marketing for the Mad Ants. Uh, under his leadership, the Mad Ants had record sales in all phases of the business, sponsorships, season tickets, group tickets, and individual tickets. Uh, through his stewardship, the Mad Ants became a profitable venture for its owners, which is no small feat in the world of minor league basketball, baseball, just about anything in minor league sports. Uh, his love of basketball it grew throughout his tenure with the Mad Ants, and he was able to make personal connections with a number of players. As a means to extend kind of the Mad Ants' reach during the summer months, he spearheaded the creating of the Mad Ants alumni team as part of the basketball tournament. And I'm sure he'll probably talk about that today, which I, I think is just kind of one, a great thing to have in the summer if you're kind of starved for basketball. So uh, he's a graduate of Trine University, a 2004 marketing graduate right, of Trine University. So very excited to have him today. And, and a special thank you to Professor, Professor Steve Helm for uh, contacting Garrett and uh, inviting him here today. So Garrett, I'll turn it over to you. All right. 
Yeah, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. And you guys feel free to chime in with questions during it. This isn't really going to be anything formal. Uh, I'm just going to kind of give my background and how I got to where I am. And and then we'll go from there. But and I recognize a lot of the names. You know, uh, I actually worked with Tim Ballman for a couple of years. Um, he actually fired me, which it wasn't a bad thing. It was it led to this. So it was good. But I can I'll talk to that when it gets to that part of the story. And then uh, Steve Jabara, I know from uh, he owns the Grand Rapids Gold or as a part of the ownership group. Um, and we used to work with him, obviously, when I was with the Mad Ants, we were in the same league there. But yeah, so my background, I actually went to high school in Angola um, and then went to Zen Tri-State, not, not trying, obviously, um, and, and then graduated in 2004. And when I, I was always kind of late to decide on things and not, I don't know, it wasn't planning for the future very well. So when I was in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go to school, waited until the pretty last second. And then uh, Tri-State just was offering at the time, a lot of local scholarships and things and just made sense. And I didn't really have any desire to like go far away to school or anything. So I went to, went to try and try and was trying to figure out what, what should my degree be? And, and I always liked kind of like marketing stuff, advertising, you know, building an ad, how do you get people to buy something, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of pictured myself as what, if you ever watch Mad Men, you know, like a modern version of that, of getting into that stuff. So I took all the business classes, graduated with a marketing degree. And then I found that it's really hard to get your foot in the door of what the kind of thing I wanted to do within marketing, a lot of it was sales and 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 that sort of thing, like sales and marketing. And I'm kind of an introverted person. I've kind of gotten over that to somewhat, but you know, calling making 60 cold calls is not something really probably anyone wants to do, but especially I didn't want to do. But I loved love basketball. And I had gotten like a kind of like a it was a somewhat full-time, but mostly it was a startup company that my friends' parents had started. We we're in the made uh parts for RVs, and that's what I did right after college. And I was helping with some of the sales and marketing with them. But again, not really what I wanted to do. So I did that for a little bit. And then in 2007, found out the Fort Wayne Mad Ants were starting um, at the Coliseum in Fort Wayne. And I was a huge NBA fan. It just seemed like the perfect fit. Called, emailed, um, got an interview with the president, Jeff Potter. And I just remember going through like this interview process. For, like I think I came in like three times and interviewed with different people. And I was like, are they going to hire me or what? What's going on? And it was like, we're not, we're not going to bring you in right now. Maybe something will open up. Finally get the call. Like, Hey, we'd like to bring you in. We are going to hire you. I was like, great. Awesome. So what ended up happening, I found out later was in April of 2007, they'd hired all these veteran salespeople. So like people in their you know thirties, forties, that had lots of experience in sales in Fort Wayne. And it just wasn't working out because they were just very lazy, kind of not being active, not getting after it. So he basically, Jeff had like fired the wholesale stuff, except for one person. And then I was part of the new class of people, which was mostly people pretty fresh out of college or like me that maybe had a little experience out of college. And I became an account executive there. And my uh, responsibilities then, it was mostly season tickets, starting off season ticket sales and sponsorships, and then eventually started selling group tickets that year as well. And, and just to kind of give you a breakdown, and I'm sure everyone's familiar with this, but I feel like I was very ignorant uh, of it going in was what kind of fills each of those buckets. You know, season tickets, obviously that's where you want someone if they're season ticket packages, you're buying a game ticket for every game, which is really good for sports teams because you know you got that ticket sold the whole season. You don't have to worry about every game by game by game. So that's a huge part of uh, teams' revenues. And then the sponsorships, pretty obvious. You know, you're you're paying for a sign in, in the arena, you're paying for the video board, you're paying the on-court promotions where people are doing, you know, chicken eating contests and and KFC or somebody sponsoring it or whatever, like that sort of thing. And then the group tickets, which 
especially for the minor, honestly, for almost all levels of sports, it's the way attendance is really, if you have a, if you're selling out games, your group tickets are killing, or you got, you know, LeBron or something on your team, which is hard, you know, the G league, you know, or have LeBron, you got to have other ways. So, so you're going out to every company in town. Hey, HR person, do a company outing to a Mad Ants game. Hey, youth basketball league, um, come out and you will give your kids a free ticket, buy a ticket. So that, so that's what I was doing that first year. And it was really fun because you got to imagine, you know, you're in this market and you're, just making all these random cold calls, you're meeting people, networking. And that's what I really like about sports in general is you're not, you don't have a specific customer. Like you have, you're, you're interacting with so many different people in the community, whether it's nonprofits, the, the companies, corporate companies, um, youth basketball leagues, coaches, and you build all like, so, so that's what I really like even now leaving the Mad Ants. Like I still keep in touch with all these people and, and it helps in other aspects of life as well. Yeah. So that first season we just started going and, and, I think we had a pretty terrible season on the court, but it was just so much fun, like learning and building it. And then I just stayed there as an account executive for, I think, two or three years. And then I got promoted, eventually became vice president of sales and marketing. And then I was basically doing the same thing I, I was already doing, but then I was managing a couple of our salespeople. So I was still selling tickets, still doing sponsorships, season tickets. And the thing with minor league, which I really liked and would recommend for people trying to get into sports is a good way to break in is that you're usually you're wearing a lot of hats. Like, you're not just in a cubicle selling group tickets, which when I, we, uh, I'm fast forwarding here, but we were eventually the managers were bought by the Indiana Pacers. Um, and so we interacted a lot with their, with their, uh, their people. And then we'd come in for like sales training and stuff. And you had people there that you literally come in, you're all you're selling is group tickets and you're in this cubicle and you're making 80 calls a day, which is fine. But with the Mad Ants, you're doing, you might be doing that, but you're also helping set up for the game. You're uh, doing appearance, taking the mascot to appearances. You're, helping run a youth basketball camp, um, just everything you can think of. One of our big things to sell tickets was obviously like youth basketballs is huge in Indiana and getting like the upward basketballs, the YMCA basketballs, the different middle school teams, everybody to come to a game. Maybe they get to play on the court before the game or after the game or halftime and they get a ticket. So that, so we would, to promote that, we would take the mascot around, which is a giant red ant. If you've never seen them, look them up. It's pretty cool. The mad ant. And we would drive along and me and another coworker, we take turns. One person would be the mascot. One person would be, we called it the handler that would go with the mascot. So kids don't kill him, you know, or attack him. And you'd be promoting these nights, like upward basketball, be like February 14th, Mad Ants game, you get a free ticket. And then the parents get discount tickets. And we would just go on Saturday mornings and literally go to like four different sites and take the mascot and then pass out flyers, talk about their their games. And that's the kind of grind you also have to do to be successful, I feel like, in the minor leagues. Because I feel like that's why we kind of ramped up like we did. Um we were not like winning on the court for the first few seasons. So it was rough. Um, and then kind of started to get some momentum in 2012, 13, made the playoffs. Um, and, but we lost. And then the 13, 14, everything kind of came together where the team was doing well on the court, but the business side, we were doing really well with sponsorships and, and season tickets groups, all the things I talked about. And we ended up winning the championship. And that just kind of put us on another level as far as when you go reach out to sponsors and take a you get that excitement around everyone who wants to be a part of a, you know, a championship team. And we almost went it back to back in the next season, we lost in the finals, but, and as, as he mentioned in the intro, you know, we became a profitable franchise and that's really hard to do. Like we were, we were not profitable. I think at the gate, I think we were, we lost like three or 400 grand the first season. And luckily we had, you know, deep pockets of our ownership. Um, and that's another thing I should mention, you know, had great mentorship with, with not only Jeff Potter, who was the president general manager, but, his father-in-law, which is, Hey, if you want to start a basketball team, have a, have a rich father-in-law helps, but he'll say that. So, I'm not, <laughs> but, uh, his father-in-law was John Ziglis and he was the president 
um, of AT&T and the present CEO eventually of AT&T Wireless. So like a Fortune, you know, 50 company or whatever. And he would give us such great advice and help us. And not only, obviously, we knew we kind of had the the time to not go bankrupt because we had some deep pockets, but to build up, but also just his experiences and got to learn. I remember going to meetings with him my first season where I'm like, I don't think I appreciated it until later on that I'm in a car going to a meeting with a hotel manager with the guy that, you know, sold a company for $41 billion like three years ago because he sold off, it's a long story, but AT&T Wireless Singular, and it was like the biggest cash transaction. And he was the guy that was in charge at the time. So getting to work with those type of people and the MBA was great with, um, they would send like consultants down. They have this program called Teambo, which everyone has a Teambo rep and, and they basically share best practices. So there's a guy that was named Tommy Smith and he's retired now, but he would come down and just show you the ropes and just to have all that um, knowledge getting passed on was huge. But yeah, so going back to the Maddie and so I, so in 2015, the, the Pacers basically called actually Herb Simon, who owns the Pacers called John Ziegler, the the owner of the Mad Ants, and was like, you know, my basketball team says I need a minor league franchise. Tell me your price, basically, because we they had kind of off made offers before, but it was really lowballed us, and 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 they just weren't interested. And we were also just having a great time with the team, and I think and Jeff, and it was like, why are we gonna you know sell? But then Herb Simon came back and asked that to directly to, to John, and John named him a ridiculous price, and he said yes, and then they sold the team, which was it was great. But then I kind of knew that okay. I don't really know what the future is going to hold for for me. It was good. And I should, I don't know if I should say this, but I was, they had one year, they had given me some sweat equity in the team, which is a very small percentage. So I did well when we sold the team. Not like I'm not a millionaire or anything, but I made enough money. Like I had some money. I was like, okay, this is a good thing. But I also knew a lot of my friends would be like, hey, the Pacers bought you. That's awesome. That's great. I'm like, well, I don't know if it is because now we went from being a small business to this big part of this corporate conglomerate, which I didn't really find as much fun because you got to jump through a million hoops. You got to get do anything, approvals and stuff. But I wanted to, you know, I was, I love the team. I wanted to see how, how it went. Um, stayed there for a couple more years and it was, it was good. And it went well. It was just tough being from that past ownership group and still being there because they kind of want to do things their way. And we had ways I thought were successful that they didn't want to do anymore. And anyway, I don't, I don't want to get into all, all that, but stayed on for a couple more years. And we still, we grew the, I, we were growing revenues, group tickets, season tickets, sponsorships, everything was going up. Um, the challenging part, though, I will say with with that, when you're owned by, you know, the NBA club or the parent club is you can't really control what the other side is doing spending wise expenses. So they obviously want to they want to break even and make money. And that's great, except when they're doubling their expenses and they want you to double your revenues, like, well, what are we what are we trying to do this whole time? We're trying to sell as much as we can. Like we can't just magically pull another million dollars out of Fort Wayne. But so that was a little frustrating. But but we did, I just still had a great time there and, and did a lot of fun things. And then in 2017, as I mentioned, I kind of forgot this was being recorded, but that's fine. <laughs> so maybe I was something that I would have said. But anyway, me and the uh, another vice president, we were let go. Basically, just I think they just wanted to be done with the old guard. And it was it was fine. It was actually, I was ready um, to move on. And it worked out really well. So, so I left there and then kind of was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And then Jeff Potter had, you know, I'd sold the team. Um, as the majority owner, and and he was also looking for the next thing. It's like, hey, what about an agency? I think I kind of was like telling him, I was like, I might try to get into this. Don't really know much about it. Uh, and luckily for for me, Jeff, not only was he obviously the president and general manager of the Mad Ants, but before that, he had been a professional basketball player, played at Oregon. Um, he'd also got his law degree, so he was an attorney, which most agents are attorneys. Um, you don't have to be, but it helps because you got you know it's 
it's the MBA test to be an agent is pretty, pretty tough. Like you got like, like attorneys fail it, you know, like you got to be prepared. So, so basically we decided to partner up and form Potter sports group PSG. And that was probably in 2018, which we really formalized it. And it is tough starting off an agency. Like you see Jerry Maguire, you see the different, like the, the highlights of it. It is not easy. Like, unless you know your best friend is the next LeBron, then it's easy probably. But it's if you, if you don't know anybody, and luckily we did know some people because obviously we're in the industry and, and we knew players and new coaches, and especially Jeff had, you know, as a president and general manager, Jeff had worked with all these NBA teams on the G League level. So what, what happens in the G League, usually if you're good, as far as the coaches and things, you move up into the NBA, like you move up into the parent club. So now we have all these contacts we made in the G league and now in positions of power. So it kind of helped us give a leg up, but the tough part is getting players. Cause, cause when you go to a player and say, you know, Hey, I'm scouting you at, you know, ball state or, or wherever. And I'd really like you to join our agency. Well, what's the first question he's going to ask? Who else are, who else are your clients? Right. And when you got nobody, it's tough. So, but what, luckily what we did have was that background I just talked about with, with Jeff, especially like I really was just kind of at first was along for the ride, but what I, what I could offer was, you know, I'm, have a sales experience and that sales is recruiting. It's all the same, same thing. Um, you know, college coaches, they're recruiting players. I mean, that's so competitive now. And it's just like us, it's a very competitive industry and you can get, you know, you can get hired and you can get fired really, really easily. So, um, so when we started off, we just, you know, we reached out to college coaches, emailed them, sent out packets, made all this great marketing stuff. And, and we started to get some traction. Uh, our first class of guys was 2019 we've kind of been off and running since then. And we actually just had our um, first, so this is how hard it is. So we started in 2019. We just had our first player sign in the NBA this year. So we have a lot of guys overseas. So like most of our guys are Europe, Asia. We got guys in Japan, guys in Italy, guys in Germany, guys in Greece, all over the place. But this was our first year. We had a guy named Tajay Moore. He played at University of Houston. He was in the G League last season with the uh, Texas Legends, which are the Dallas Mavericks G League team. And did really well last year, got um, signed back with the Texas Legends, the Mavericks team, G League team this year. You know, it was doing well, but wasn't lighting it on fire like he had last year. And part of it was a different coach and different systems and stuff. So so we tried to get him, uh, we wanted to get him out of there. So we, we got a trade to the Portland Trailblazers um, G League team, which is called Rip City. And he played two games there, hadn't had a practice. And the uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was the GM or the system GM was at one of the games. And he just killed it and he made like a go-ahead shot. And he's just a super look him up. He has he actually won the NCAA dunk contest in 20, I think 2022. Um, he's super athletic, really fun to watch, just like a defender, like somebody you everybody wants on your team. And the GM is there and I think texted Jeff after the game. He's like, he's killing it, and like a picture of him on the and then like two days later he gets a call, like, hey, we think we're gonna sign him to a 10-day contract. Um, and the next day they signed him. So so the 10-day contracts. And this is all, even if you're a basketball fan, this can get complicated, but you're signing for 10 days and you get X amount of dollars based on your experience level. But you don't know if, you know, you're going to get another 10 day contract and then eventually they sign you the rest of the year, or they could just give you one 10 day and you're, and you're back to the G league. So you don't know, but it's still a huge deal just to be in getting it, you know, get signed and, and be there. And then for us too, it gets for our resume. What's again, like, even though now we have a lot of clients and they're doing well overseas, you know, if we have a, a guy that's like going to be drafted or potentially in that that uh, mock draft list, then he's on that there somewhere. When we're talking to him, what's he going to ask? He's going to say, who are your other NBA clients? And we're like, oh, we don't have anybody. So that was always tough. So now if, you know, if we can have Tajay there and he, and he sticks, that's huge, you know, for us and for him, obviously, as well. 
but it, it's tough. Like it is very sales. Like I can't tell you how many, you know, it's like a sales funnel. You start with a hundred guys that you like as far as players that you're trying to get as clients. And then um, you're just trying to reach out to them. You're trying to reach out to their coaches, trying to reach out to their parents, mentors. And then you got 10 other people doing the same thing. So you got to stand out somehow. Um, and I think how we try to stand out is, you know, we try to be the anti-agent. A lot of times if you look on like agents, like social media and stuff, it's a lot of guys standing on courts on their phone or on their, on the bench, just very poser-ish type of stuff. We try to tell guys, look, we're not, we ran a G League team for 10 years. Like we're not trying to do this to be around athletes. Like we don't care about that. We, we want to do this because we like helping guys, you know, get to the next level and, and keep, keep going. Um, and just like when I worked for the Mad Ants, even though I was on the sales side, I always would follow guys careers after they left and keep in touch and, and hope for the best for them. Um, so it was kind of, that's why it was like kind of a natural transition for me. And that's what I try to do with, with Jeff and the agency is try to handle all the logistics, try to, you know, handle our social media page or, you know, making highlights for things. Cause you gotta, that's their guy's resume. You gotta have their season highlights going all the time and their best games available and just kind of keeping on top of everything. So it was just kind of a natural transition there for me. Um, but yeah, it's been, this has been a really exciting Definitely an exciting week with Tajay. I mean, that was a big, big deal for us. But also just we have another guy in the G League right now, actually, for the which is ironic for the the Indiana Mad Ants. So the Mad Ants, they I'm sure you guys know, but they they moved down to Indy after it was kind of out of nowhere. Or it felt like it to the community, but from Port Wayne down to Indy and are playing at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And we have a player named Kyle Mangus, who is uh, one of our clients who is down there. He'd played two previous years overseas in Czech Republic and then Lithuania. And what's crazy about Kyle is he played at Indiana Wesleyan University. He's an NAIA guy, probably the best, maybe the best player that's ever played NAIA, at least in the last probably 10, 10 years or 15 years I've ever heard of. And I remember a bunch of people tell me about Kyle and I kind of would just overlook it. Like NAIA, it's just tough, tough to translate because even there, you can find really good NCAA people or players, but if they don't fit like the right things professional teams are looking for, like if you're like a 5'10 point guard, but can't shoot, that's going to be tough for you, you know, to keep playing. Um, but with Kyle, I, you know, I looked at his numbers and I'm just like, okay, this guy literally checks every box. He's averaging, you know, 29 points a game, eight rebounds a game, seven assists a game, three steals or whatever it was, you know, 45% from three, 90% from three. I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk to this guy. So I got his number and, and we started talking and, and then we got a meeting and, and it's just crazy how it went. He killed it in the first year in Czech Republic. Then he went to Lithuania, did really well. And then he had a, he really wanted to play in the G League. He's uh, got engaged. Um, to his his girlfriend who he met at Indiana Westland and wanted to stay in the States. And it's just the G League can be very dangerous for players because if you're not a guy that the NBA team is invested in. So and I don't know how far I want to get into this. Let's say you get drafted or second rounder. Great. OK, you're on the you're in the NBA. There's also another level called the two way contract, which each team has three spots for two way contracts where you can play X amount of games in the NBA and you get paid your NBA minimum salary. And then you also can play in the G league and you get double the G league salary. So you're an NBA player, but you're going back and forth a lot. And then there's an exhibit 10 contract below that, where you get X amount of dollars up to $75,000. You're going to go to the NBA team. So you're going to go to the Pacers or the bulls or whoever you're, maybe you're going to play in their training camp. Then you're going to get, you're going to get cut, but you know, you're going to get cut and you're going to go to their G league team. And then, but you're going to make that extra between you know zero dollars and extra seventy five thousand dollars plus your fifty thousand dollar G League salary, and you, so you're kind of on their system, you're on their radar better. So Kyle got an Exhibit Ten contract. I'm actually I'm jumping way ahead here. So Kyle does really well, wanted to stay in the G League, and we Jeff reached out to the Pacers and said, "Hey, Kyle's been doing well. He looks great this summer. Can he? Can he? Can we get him a try?" He's like, "Actually, we have a tryout. We have another guy we want to work out. We can bring Kyle in at the same time." So Kyle went down, worked out with them. 
and this head scout is Ryan's car with the Pacers called Jeff and was like, that might've been like one of the best workouts I've ever seen anyone have. Like as far as he's just making every shot, doing everything right. And they immediately offered him an exhibit 10 contract. So he got a, a big chunk of extra money plus his G league money. And then he's playing in Indianapolis, right? And he lives in, from Warsaw, Indiana. So, and he played at Indiana Wesleyan. So it's like dream scenario. And Kyle's been killing it, you know, like pretty soon um, get called up. And so we could have a huge year for us. Um, and Kyle's a great guy too. And just to be so happy for him. But um, so we have that going on. And then we have guys overseas. And, and that's another interesting part of this is, you know, we're here. It's so like, how do you control the stuff overseas? How do you reach out to teams? And what you normally do with an agency is you partner with, other agents who are, you know, like we have a, a partner named Marco Rodolfi in Italy who he has his own agency, but he has trouble. He can't get Americans because he doesn't, you know, he, he, he can get, so he does have some clients, but it's harder for him where we can get the clients, but then it's harder for us to reach out to teams and communicate with teams. So he helps us place guys in Europe and then we kind of split the commission type of thing. So we have, I think we have like 17 or 18 guys now playing, playing overseas and, and that's how you kind of do it is you find these partners and we have a guy, in, a different guy in Japan. We have a different guy in Turkey that we work with as, as a partner agent. And that's the other, other thing I was going to get into is, you know, you can see like we're splitting commissions there and stuff It is hard. This is a hard business. Like you, we didn't make really any money like for a long, for a while, you know, and we're still not like we're, we're killing it, you know? And so if you want to do this, really think hard, be all in on it. Or I'd also recommend Hey, you try to get into it when you're young, you don't have a family and stuff. Cause it can be, it can be brutal. And it's very competitive, very cutthroat. Cause there's, there's agents that are, that are boy scouts and are great and do everything by the rules. And there's guys that will undercut you and do everything. And you always have, you know, like I guarantee, um, you know, like you get a player in the NBA or you get, or you get a, just a good player overseas. There's going to be 10 other agents con DMing them or texting them or getting a hold. It's like, Hey, that guy's not doing enough for you. Let's, you know, come with us. And, and it's really easy to, fire agent. So you got to just also keep guys happy. It's not just about getting them jobs. Like you got to keep that relationship. And I think that's, you know, a strength for me is I like, I stay in touch with people. I'm not just someone that you only hear about when good things are happening. And, and, and that's, that's huge in any industry, but so yeah, it's a, it's a brutal industry, but it's fun though. And it's like, I always go in and see like, Hey, who's playing today? Maybe I'm watching a game on in Romania. Maybe I'm watching a guy, a game in Italy or, or an NBA game. Now it's been great. You know, the Trailblazers, I've been staying up till midnight every night because they play on the West Coast and trying. And he's also, you know, he's a guy that when he's going to get his time, it's going to be at the end usually right now because he's new uh, under the game. So you're staying up late, but it's a blast. And uh, yeah, and also another thing I'm involved with is is the basketball tournament. Are you guys familiar at all with TBT? It's been around now for a while, but it's a uh, so it's a summer basketball tournament where they offer a million dollars to the winning team. It's just like the NCAA tournament. There's 64 teams. And the winner take all. So if you lose in the first game, you get nothing. If you lose in the championship game, you get nothing. But if you win it, everybody splits a million dollars. So in 2015, we had just won the, the G League championship. Um, and I found out about this tournament because some guys I knew that played for the Madness had won it. The Notre Dame alumni team had won it the year before in 2014. So I was like, this tournament, I think I could win this thing with our champ. Just take our championship team. So... I recruited our most like six of our guys from our championship team, then found some other random guys that played for the Mad Ants in the past years, and we made it all the way to the final four of this tournament. And, and then we ended up losing. We got to go to New York City and played at um, Fordham and on ESPN, and we lost in the final four, which is still I still like it's still brutal because we were just coast. You think you're going to win the whole thing, and then boom. <laughs> but and so I've been addicted to that now forever, and put a team in every year. 
Um, and, and again, we're coming up in 2024. It'll be like our 10th time in the tournament. And actually, I guess it'd be our ninth time. But it's mm-hmm. it's a fun thing, though, because it's a tournament. But you're also you're responsible as I'm the general manager. You have to recruit the players to play for you. So 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 it's tougher than it sounds like because you're trying to convince guys who maybe are making $200,000 a year playing overseas or 300000 or whatever they are. Hey, come play for me in this tournament for free unless we win, you know, but I'll, and I'll cover your housing and, and your hotel and your airfare. So, so then with that, you can see there's already costs, there's airfare, there's hotel. Um, so you, as a GM, you have to either pay for that, which I don't really want to do that, or you have to find sponsors and, and like, like this shirt actually is a good example. So this is our coach's polo. So we sold this sponsorship to the simplex security. And he was a guy I'd met through the Mad Ants. He was a sponsor, past a big basketball fan. So you have to sell these sponsorships to cover the cost. And now TBT has decided this year that it used to be a free entry, but you had to cover everything. And then it's also invite only, you know, they're picking the teams. It's not like if you just enter, you get in, but because we were a longstanding team, we would keep getting in because what's happened is the alumni teams are way more popular. Like our team is just, you know, basically a mercenary team at this point of professional basketball players, but there's an IU alumni team. There's a Purdue alumni team. There's a Maryland alumni team. There's, you know, and this year we're actually going to play at Hinkle Fieldhouse and Butler, which will be really cool. Uh, but they've increased, they've made an entry fee now, $10,000. Plus, you still got to cover all the travel. So now I'm like, oh, God. So I really need to get on the sponsorship stuff. And because of my background, TBT has asked me to start helping some of the other teams. Because with TBT, everyone wants to do the basketball stuff. Like, you want to run the team, pick the coaches, pick the players, all that. It's all fun. It sounds like it's fun, at least. And it is fun. But there's just a lot of stress that goes into it, too. But what they don't want to deal with is the business stuff, the raising the money and everything. So what I've said, hey, I can help you guys. Um, get sponsorship dollars and just treat me as like a sales rep and I'll, you know, as a commission or whatever. So what I was going to do, and I'm, I'm going to talk to everyone about is if you guys are interested in like kind of a, I don't want to be like a full internship, but if you want to get some experience in sports, I'm going to have some students helping me put together sponsorship decks for the TBT for the different teams. Or, or if you, Hey, if you know people that maybe if you want to like find some sponsors, you can, and I'll give you some you know, the commission too. Like, but it's a re- great way to get your foot in the door. Cause that's one thing I would really hit is, if you're trying to get into sports, the biggest thing I would recommend is do internships because I can't tell you, I'm kind of the exception that proves the rule because I didn't do one because I just didn't know you should, you know, when I was in school, I didn't know I was going to work for a sports team. But how many times that we had interns, I see them from the from colleges come to the Mad Ants and then now they're, you know, vice president somewhere or they're of some sports team or are they just everyone they got the internship. You could just see them have success because you automatically have some connections in the industry. Um like there's a, there's actually a, a, another kid that went here, uh, Chris Kent. I don't know what year he graduated here, but probably like 2014 ish. Cause he came from trying to use an Angola kid too. And I had known um, one of the professors here that had reached out and said, Hey, can, you know, can you interview this kid for an internship? And I was like, sure. He came in and it was a good interview, but I, he, I could tell he was more interested in the basketball stuff. Cause that's why I always tell people on the business side, don't come in here and think that you're just going to be hanging around the players and you're going to be doing this. Like that's the, if you're doing that, you're probably going to get fired. Like, you know, like you got to come in, like working, making calls, doing what it needs to do. He wanted, he was more interested in, in the coaching side of it and the being and actually becoming a coach. So I was like, you know, I don't really have anything that fits, but I can go talk to my friend who's the head coach and see if he has something. So at the time it was Steve Gansey was the head coach. So he's like, sure, he can come in during, you know, uh, some practices and game days and help out. And he did. And he, luckily he was the year we won the championship. So it went really well. And then he ended up coming back the next year and did like a full coaching internship. And, and as he just, and he's killed it the whole, I mean, he was, uh, worked for the bulls. He's right now, which is really ironic. He, uh, he's an assistant coach with the Portland trailblazers, uh, G league team, which is rip city, which is where Tajay Moore was. So it was really funny that 
Kaze Moore, first of all, gets traded to that team. Chris Kent is there. And then also it's ironic, and it's how small basketball is. One of the assistant coaches on the Trailblazers used to be an assistant coach for the Mad Ants when I was there and actually rented my part of my house for a while because they used to get stipends and then I would have an extra room. And I'd say, yeah, you can live here. So I had two people kind of in the system there. Um, but yeah, but Chris is a great story. Another guy from Trine. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, I knew, Chris. I knew the story, but I haven't met him. Yeah, yeah. But if you ever, I was going to say, if you ever want him to talk, he's um, he he's always great about stuff like that. Um, and great, great guy. But, um, but yeah, small world. But yeah, but back to TBT. So basically, I'm looking for um, some people if they want to help kind of as an internship. Um, it probably only take a couple hours a week, if that, you know, and, and it'd be helping me target companies that might want to do sponsorships or help me create presentations and things and, and basically just sell these sponsorships for these different teams I mentioned um, and, and help me there. Because I'm kind of right now, like I'm a one man show and I'm, I feel like I'm getting stretched pretty thin. So I think it'd be good to have some people helping. But also, it's great experience because a lot of people don't want to do sales. Like I said before, I was doing the marketing degree. And the last thing I wanted to do was be a, a salesperson. Like it just didn't fit me at all. It terrified me the thought of making, you know, 80 calls in a day and just randomly calling people. And then what I ended up being, I ended up being a, 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 you know, a sales rep, a vice president of sales and marketing. And I ended up really enjoying it and it worked out really well. And it's also ironic that being when I was working for the Mad Ants, I used to think, you know what the worst job would be? It'd be being a sale or being a sports agent because they have this bad reputation. It's, you know, everyone's slimy or whatever. And, and you're calling, hounding people all the time. And what do I do? I, I become, you know, a sports agent or part of a sports agency. So no, so yeah, I would say don't discount like sales. I feel like sometimes it's a scary word, but it's also, if you want to get into sports, it's the easiest way to get your foot in the door. Cause there's so many more positions than trying to like, even just working like operations, like the game day stuff, like the fun stuff with like the mascot or the planning all the entertainment during the games, there might be one or two people, at, even at an NBA team, there's usually two people and some interns. Like it's so hard to get your foot in the door, but sales, get your foot in the door, make the contacts and then go from there and kind of know what you want to do, but the people will help you if you're doing a good job. And that's why I always say like, even as an intern at like, if you go intern with the tin caps over the summer, you might be you know, man in the kids batting cages or whatever, but you're going to know the director of group ticket sales because you're there with him every day and he sees you're doing a good job. You're doing other little things during the office and stuff. And now when you're ready for the next, when the next job becomes available, boom, you're at the top of the list. So just that's the key, just networking. And I think sometimes people don't even understand what networking is really. It's not just here's a business card. Here's this. It's like keeping people in touch with people, doing stuff for people, even though it doesn't maybe help you right now. But then later they're going to remember, wow, you did a great job as that internship. Like the kid, one of the guys that, uh, um, his name is Phil Bagardi. He was an intern and I got him from, he was an intern with the tin caps and he, he was in charge of their birthday packages. So he would facilitate someone would call and say, Hey, my kid needs 10 tickets, wants to do a birthday party at the, the tin caps. He would coordinate all that. So he was kind of still doing some groups, ticket sales. And he came in and did a great job with us. And I, he got another job. I can't remember and let and left after like a year or two, but now he's like the vice president of ticket sales of a, of a minor league, uh, I think in, in Charlotte of a, of a baseball team. And it's just killing it. So I can't emphasize enough internships. Like if there's one available, even if it's if it's here at Trine and just something in there, you guys have, you know, great facilities and stuff and selling tickets, like just anything you can do there, I'd really put that over to getting into sports. Um, but I feel like I'm rambling on now. Just any questions or anything that I didn't get into or when you're trying to get guys, what are you actually like looking for? So with us, so we're, you know, obviously we're still a smaller agency. So it's hard to compete with like the big boys like priority sports and Bartle scenes and those, and those type of guys. So if someone's like a lottery pick that you see, look at the mock drafts, like I'm not even going to try because it's going to be a waste of waste of time. Unless it's like somebody that I 
personally know like, okay, that was her son somehow, which that's, you know, how often does that happen? Which we actually did have Jaron Jackson Jr., his dad coached for the Mad Ants and, and we know knew well, but we were just starting agency at the time and it would have been so stupid for him to, to sign with us probably. So that, and there's, so that's not like anything I hold against him. It was just, but it has to be a situation like that for us to just be this small and get someone like that. But so what I, we, I don't really focus on is the mid majors and look at the players there. And I kind of have a set category of, you know, their, their stat independent, it's positional, you know, it depends on, you know, if, like I said earlier, if you're a five eleven point guard and you, um, you know, you're averaging 25 points a game, but you're shooting 28% from three and you're a volume shooter, like that's not going to translate really almost anywhere, you know? So I just have a set stats. Like, like if you're a, I don't want to get too <laughs> into the nitty gritty, but like, let's say you're a big man and you're averaging, you know, 10 or more points, six or more rebounds, one or more blocks, like stuff like that. But then also what level of program are you at? And then, so what I, I'm not a basketball guy by nature, as far as like, I didn't play at a high level or I'd play at any, I got cut in seventh grade. So I did not play at a high level, but I watch a lot of basketball, but I, I always, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say I trust my instincts like watching, but if I look at the numbers first and I'm like, okay, this is a guy who has my attention. Then I go look at the film. Does everything match up? Or is it like, this guy has a wonky, something's going on weird. Um, with a shot or, or man, this guy's great, but he, he's seven feet tall and doesn't rebound. Like what's going on there, you know, or, so I kind of have a checklist that I go through and I try to go through each conference. And like I said, mostly stick to the mid majors, but there, there's guys like we've got guys from bigger schools, but it's usually not their top guy. It's like their third guy or their fourth guy. And, and you just got to look at, you know, the bit bigs are really easy because there's not as many of a supply and demand. So you can get a big man from a smaller school and have him do have, he's gonna have a lot more interest or offers than just getting a random, like I mentioned, the guard that scores 30 points a game, but there's something off there a little bit. Um, so I, I, and I, there's a program called Synergy or a website that the, all the NBA teams use, and all the G League, all the international teams, and they upload all their film there. So you can go there and they also have analytics and they'll tell you this guy's offensive efficiency is 95%, which is really, really good. Like it's excellent. Like you want to be in anything above, you know, in the 70s or up. So that's like going back to, so Kyle Mangus is a great example. So I went, you know, cause I was really on the fence and I just kept having people to mention him's name. I was like, yeah, he's NAI. I don't know if that'll work. And then actually the guy that runs the Purdue TBT team, um, he, he was a friend and he was like, I think we're going to get Kyle on our team. You, Mangus, you should really talk to him. I'm like, he's really good. And I'm like, okay. And then I finally was like, okay, this is like the fourth person that's told me this. I'll look at, so I bring up his numbers on synergy and it was like, the most ridiculous I've never seen it. It was, he was like the number one efficient in college. Cause it covers all of, you know, division one, D2, D3, anyway, of college basketball, like in general. And like, again, like his numbers just blew off the, the page. And then when you watch him, it's like, okay, this guy isn't, cause we've had, we've tried to have NAI clients before. And again, like they'll, they'll score. You can't really trust the numbers just because of the competition. level. And I'm not saying NAI is, it's a, it's a great competition level, but you have to be so good. And that's where Kyle blew off all the way all those little checklists that I have. And so that's kind of a long way to say how I do. I kind of look at the stats first, kind of make it guys I want to target. And then this is the funny thing is, you know, originally when we were reaching out to all their coaches and, and trying to get, how do we get in touch with these players? How do we get in front of them? How do we get in front of their parents? And some coaches would get back, but usually like, well, wait till the end of the season. I'll put you in touch with them. We don't want to take any focus off. And some guys were like, Hey, here's the guy's dad number, dad number, whatever. But it's, but usually coaches, they care about their program. They don't want to have agents meddling in. And, and some guys are helpful. Some aren't. Um, I can't tell you how many times I went to way after a game, drove three hours to talk to a coach, hoping to get in touch with a player. And the guy stood me up or I had to like grab him as he's coming out. I just, I'm like, oh my God. And there's one player I went to meet and I think it was in, 
think it was Eastern Michigan. So it was like a two and a half hour drive. Had been talking to the guy via text and stuff. Said he was going to meet me after the game. Never came out. Never said a word after. Ghosted me. I'm just like, that was five hours. You know, so that's the type, especially when you're starting off, it can be brutal. And then there, and and then you think about it's like the guy that didn't even end up doing that much as a pro. So it's like, I just wasted all this time, but but yeah, that's kind of what I what I do. And, oh, this is where I was going with. So like the best way I found now to get in touch with the players is just to go on. We have an Instagram page, message them on Instagram. And, and you know, and it's again, it's like a funnel thing where message 100 guys that you're interested, you get 10 responses. And you know, I have a target. Like I'm not just randomly shooting off messages. Like I know who I want to talk to. But uh, but that's what's funny to me. Like we did all this. We had all these materials, these folders we made and mailing out stuff that first year. And, that, and we got somewhere with that. But but it seems so much easier just to social media, like, hey, now they don't always respond and to get in touch with them is the tough part. And now that we were more established, like we have guys that went to certain schools that you can be like, hey, give me this guy's number, give me this number, get, you know, or like you just build relationships doing this, you know, being as bad as basketball is small. So you start to know how, find out ways to get in touch with people easier than that. But any other questions? Yeah. So like, what's the biggest difference in what you can and can't do if you do or don't have your uh, law degree? Really, it's nothing. It's, it's the law degree. Just I think it just makes it easier. You're more prepared for like the tests. Like you're going to know because it's a lot of negotiating contract law and stuff. So you can definitely you don't have like there's lots of agents that don't have law degrees for sure. It, I think it just like for me, like if I want to get my MBA certified, like it would probably be like intense studying for like, you know, six months. And then and then still like, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, pass this thing or not. And I don't know if I really even have an interest in doing that. Like, I think I like kind of doing it with Jeff and we kind of have our different roles and everything. But yeah, you can definitely, you don't have to be an attorney, you don't have to be anything. But the, then the tough part is then going to the players later and be like, okay, I want you to, I want to be your agent. You should hire me. You know, I don't have a law degree. I never worked in basketball. I like, so what are you going to do for him? That's going to be the problem. And a lot of times there's attorneys who will almost do the agency stuff on the side, like their attorneys and they still have an operating practice, but then they have some clients. Um, but mostly like the big time, like there's probably like three agencies that have you know, 85% of the NBA players. And that's, I don't know, that number might be low actually. So it's, it's tough for the small guys like us to kind of, kind of get our, get our foot in the door, but yeah, you don't have to have your law degree. There's definitely, uh, I think it just makes it easier for you. And it's more, you're more prepared basically for the job, I would say. Yeah. You're still able to work with some of the agency stuff and like the roles of an agent under kind of Jeff because he's got that license with you. Yeah. So basically, so I actually went, so right when we first started it, and this this is actually kind of a funny story. So FIBA, so that's the governing body of like Europe, professional basketball and everything. And they have their own certification you have to have. So I looked into it, how to become, you know, because I was originally going to do this on my own, uh, how to get my FIBA license. And there was a, there was like, okay, we have every twice a year we have a test that you have to come take in person and there's a little course and everything. And it's like, I forget how much it was like a thousand dollars or something. And I think this was in Miami. Yeah, it was in Miami. And I, so I'm like, okay, I got to take this. And I go down there and they, and the, and the testing, the material they gave me, I was like, this seems like too easy or like the booklet. And I like this. So I go there and they have like a little pre-court or pre-test course that you, everyone's there like the day before and like, okay, this is where we're going to go. And the guy's like, look, this is going to be an open book test there's 25 questions i'm about to go over with you what the questions are going to be right now so basically it was a and so we go the next day we take the test it's and like i had to look up stuff and read stuff and understand everything and i had i'd studied a lot for it just prepared not want to fail but it basically it's a cash grab where they want money to make sure everyone's not just doing it any like you guys could go be a feeba agent tomorrow you know the next time that thing is if you just studied this um but but jeff luckily 
we actually kind of wasted our money. Like, and I didn't even getting my FIBA license because Jeff, as an attorney, you get you basically get a free FIBA license if you can show that you're an attorney. And which we found out that out. And I was like, hey, Jeff, do not do this. Like, save the money. I shouldn't have even done this because I'm not going to get my FIBA license because I don't need it because I'm working with, with Jeff. But yeah, like you said, so I'm still doing a lot of this, the same things like talking to teams or talking to the people. Um, a lot of times I'm doing more like the legwork stuff where Jeff's doing the negotiating or like the direct dealing, like the contract or going over the contracts and things like that. Or I'm, I'm the guys are like, hey, I need help with this and I'm trying to figure something out for them. But yeah, that was just really funny. And I actually... I got a perfect, I think I was one of two people that got a perfect score at 25 out of 25, which I don't know how anyone really missed too many, but they, and a lot of it was, I think it was younger people that probably that I would have said, don't do this unless you know, unless you're doing it on behalf of a company that you're already, an agency you're already working with. Cause if I would have done it on my own, I probably would have been done in like very shortly. Cause I just wouldn't have had the ability to recruit people because people are going to look at my background. Like, how are you going to get me any sign? Like, like now I feel like I, you know, I can do it because we've got, had some experience. But, but yeah, I still have a, a t-shirt they gave me for free after I was one of the perfect <laughs> scores. And I'm always like, okay, I got, there's my award for that. This is kind of fascinating. I don't know if I've ever really kind of realized that or heard that. Like there's still an opportunity to get involved like on that agency side, even if you're not negotiating the contract, yeah. there's so much to that yeah. world there. Yeah. It's still working it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I honestly, I try to do as much so that Jeff doesn't have to like, like I run our, like all of our social media stuff, which and even for agencies in the same age, because you're showing off, like you're posting highlights and A, you want people to see it, obviously, but also the players like showing what they're doing, especially if you're overseas and no one can see what they're doing, over, you know, from home and, and you're sharing the highlights. And then also your, that's their resume. So like I keep all their film compiled. So if some team like in Italy is like, Hey, we like um, Sam Sessoms, give me it. So I have right there. I can go, here's his highlights up to date. Here's his two full games. He's had done really well. And you got to kind of stay on all that stuff. And yeah, and just, Anything like in the summers, we bring guys in. So our rookies will have a rookie class of guys. So last year we had like eight guys as rookies out of college and we bring them to Fort Wayne and we have like a month where they train and they prepare. And and, and it's during the time where their NBA teams are having pre-draft workouts. So the guys are working out with our trainers, but then they might go like Celtics are like, okay, we want him there in three days and he's going to go there and there's going to be five other guys. And then they go and they compete against each other in front of all their personnel. And they're trying to make a summer, then you're trying to make a summer league team where you're obviously you're trying to get drafted. So I help coordinate all that with like, hey, we got to have four apartments. They got to be furnished. We got to make sure guys can get to the gym every day. What times are we going? I kind of coordinate all that, our training program with our trainers, make sure everything goes smooth there. So that's like another aspect of it that I didn't really even talk about. And that's actually one of the most fun parts of it. And not all, most agencies will farm that out. They'll sign a guy and be like, okay, go to Impact in Vegas, this, this uh, training facility out there for a lot of pros use. But we like to do it internally because a because of just background and we have all these contacts like we have former mad ants players come back and be the trainers for our guys the guys that have had success being a trainer or a coach and they work out these guys for that summer months to get them prepared so even if they don't but even if they don't get signed in the nba you're going overseas now you're in you're in good shape right when you go over there you've kind of you're learning from these pros but that's a really that's a fun fun part of the part of the job for sure but yeah, appreciate you having me. And I'll leave my business cards if anybody's uh, interested in either the the TBT stuff, the helping out with that, or if you just have any questions or anything like that. Um, but I guess I'll just leave you with, yeah, if you're trying to get into sports, definitely do as many internships as you can. And don't be like too worried about what exactly internship is, just if you're working for a team. And I would put over, um, you know, the minor league teams, a lot of times they're easier to get in, your foot in the door. 
and again, you're just going to see more things um, and do more things and get to have more responsibilities than if you would, if you went to like an NBA and NHL MLB team. Um, and, and then just make sure you do a good job and just keep in touch with people and then let people know when you're ready to, you know, when you are looking for a full-time job, now you hopefully have that network that you've built that you can, can reach out to right away. So, and then you get good references on your resume that, Hey, this, like I always say, cause now I'm backing up a little bit. Like when I was hiring people at the Mad Ants, if you could say you sold a single ticket at an internship or a sponsor or anything, that was like immediately my eyes are open. Like, okay, I'm looking at you a lot harder. So that's why I always try to tell people to, to get those internships and, and do like real stuff. Or even if, if it's for your school, like, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's opportunities um, there as well. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to check out our next episode on February 23rd as we talk with Carlos Ames and Sam Bakken from the Chicago Fire Inside Sales Academy. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and X at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.